Take your Bible, please, and turn to the book of Isaiah. That's where we are in this series, Hope from Isaiah. Today we're looking at Hope for Inner Peace from Isaiah 26, verse 3. Here's the key concept today. The secret to a mind filled with peace is a heart filled with trust. The secret to a mind filled with peace is a heart filled with trust. Isaiah 26, verse 3 is our focus verse this morning. And while you're finding that in your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to take a short quiz. Now, this is a quiz you take silently. You don't shout out your answers, okay? This is a quiz for your thoughts only. I need to emphasize this. Some of you are shouters. Your thoughts only. But you respond to the questions in this quiz with one of these words, either never, seldom, frequently, or always. One of those words should be your thought answer. Question number one, are you free of anger, nagging fears, and guilt, never, seldom, frequently, or always? In your area of relationships, question number two, do you allow others to rob you of your calm? Never, seldom, frequently, or always. On the level of feelings, question three, do you feel loved, forgiven, and accepted? Never, seldom, frequently, or always? In your mind. Is your mind filled with distressing memories and unresolved grievances? Never, seldom, frequently, always? Question five. Do you remain calm in the face of trouble and crisis? Never, seldom, frequently, or always? How about your body? Is your body peaceful? Do you experience stomach issues, tension, and stress headaches? Never, seldom, frequently, or always. This little quiz covered most of the parts of who we are on a human level. Our mind, our bodies, our emotion, our relationships. And it points out for most of us, I think, that we need peace. At least we need more peace than we have. And here's the key that I want you to see from our passage today. We all want peace. We all need peace. But we can't produce peace. We must receive it from outside of ourselves. That's the only way you're going to get it. Peace. So, here's what Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says. Speaking to God, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Now let's zoom out for a moment. In this section of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah is alternating between an outburst of joy and then a section where he warns God's people about impending judgment. Joy, then judgment. Joy, then judgment. And in this chapter, chapter 26, we're in a joyful section. As a matter of fact, he says to us that this is a song. Look at verse 1. In that day, this song will be sung over the land of Judah. It's a fairly long song, this joyful section. And in it, it depicts two cities, 
One is the strong city which is at peace. The rest of verse 1, we have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. And the other is a city that will be brought low. Go to verse 5. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Now, the joy of this song and this section is that it is God's people who are represented by that strong city of peace. The nation Israel is represented in that strong city of peace. But, of course, a nation is made up of individuals. A city is made up of people. It's not just a blessing on a people group because in verse 3, it comes down to the individual person. You will keep in perfect peace him, singular, whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. It is God's will and God's wish that every person that is his have peace. God wants to give you peace if you know him as Savior, inner peace. And he will give you a special kind of peace. It says he will keep you in perfect peace. But here's something you probably can't tell by reading this verse. And that is the word perfect does not actually show up in that verse. In fact, Isaiah does something different. He does something that would make the Hebrew listener or reader kind of pick up their head from the page. Because he doesn't say perfect peace, he says he will keep you in peace, peace. He repeats the word twice, peace, peace. It's not that he didn't have a word for perfect, it's just that he's using this, um, this writing manner to get the attention to the person who's listening or who's reading. It's a thing of emphasis being placed on the peace. This is just not normal peace, this is not everyday peace. It's like a big exclamation point is being put next to the word. If he was texting this message, the text would be in bold, all caps, right? Peace, peace. Peace like no other. Total peace. All-encompassing peace. Covering all the parts of who we are. And, of course, you know that the word for peace in the language in Hebrew here is shalom. God will give you Shalom, shalom. And shalom is not just the absence of war. Shalom is not a ceasefire where everybody just puts down their arms for a little while. That's not what shalom means at all. Shalom means a presence of wholeness and health, a tranquility that comes over us, completeness of safety, total security. That's shalom, and that's just what we need. We need shalom, Shalom. Isaiah says, God will give you that. God will keep you in that. And that's what we need. I, I, I read recently some statistics about worry. These statistics come from an article published before the pandemic broke out, so maybe the statistics are even higher these days. But this is what this, is what the, this one article said. It said, 40% of the things that we, we worry about never happen. 30% of the things that we worry about are actually things from the past that we can no longer change. 
12% of the things that we worry about are out of our control and will never influence them. 10% of the things that we worry about are so small that they really don't matter that much in the grand scheme of things. You add that all up, it means 92% of the energy that we pour into worry is wasted energy. God says, you don't have to waste that energy. I will give you shalom, shalom. Today we, we talk about mindfulness in therapeutic circles. It's, it's a popular term. It's the term that talks about focusing on the moment, focusing on ourselves in the moment, shutting the stressors that are around us out, being aware of what is now, what is here, being aware of yourself, your breathing, your surroundings, your thoughts, the people who are there. And it's fine as far as it goes. But in reality, mindfulness doesn't go far enough. That's not what Isaiah is talking about here. What he's talking about goes beyond mindfulness. He's talking about Godfulness. God is here. God is love. God loves me. I can trust Him to give shalom. Yesterday, we were in a seminar right here in this room, and uh, led by Pastor Wayne, he was talking about self-leadership with the goal of, and this was the stated goal, of nurturing our own souls so that we can nurture the souls of others. And he gave us a great teaching on that. But part of what he said was, in order to avoid burnout in your life, in order to avoid shipwreck in your life and your emotions and your choices, you need to be able to see the big picture and answer the questions of the big picture of life. And these are the questions of the big picture of life. Who is God? Who am I? And whose am I? God is the creator of all things, but also the lover of my soul. Who am I? I am a child of the King. Whose am I? I belong to the Savior. I am loved by God. And that kind of Godfulness brings peace as you trust Him. Look at verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. Do you see the repetition in verse 4? Once you know that there's repetition in verse 3, you see repetition in verse 4. Isaiah is stressing these things. These things go together. Shalom, shalom, and the Lord, the Lord. Trust Him. But there's conditions for this peace, isn't there? There's, there's a condition stated in verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. Our minds must be steadfast if we will receive this peace. If you're looking at the King James Version, the word there is stayed. Our mind must be stayed. And the, the Hebrew word that's translated there has the sense of this to lean on or to put all my weight on. One modern author translates it be riveted to, be riveted to. My, my, the peace of God comes to me when my mind is riveted to God. That superlative peace, my mind intentionally riveted on God, stayed on Him. When Sylvia and I were married, uh, and I looked down the aisle of that church, and she was coming towards me, she walked towards me while the music to the hymn, Like a River Glorious, was being played. And the, the chorus of that hymn goes like this. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as He promised perfect peace 
and rest. And we chose that song because that's what we wanted for our marriage. We wanted to be stayed or, 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 or connected to Jehovah, to be steadfast in our relationship with Him. And we long for that peace. How, how do we get steadfast minds? How are we going to accomplish this which will bring us peace? Well, here is the wonderful news about the, the verse itself. And that is that the verse... The, the, the steadfast word there is in the passive form. In other words, if you want to be riveted, your mind riveted on God, who does the riveting? It's not you who does the riveting. It's God who does the riveting. See, God understands that we want this peace, but, we want to, but we're not able to produce this steadfastness that He calls us to. So it's a passive form of the Word, and I want you to receive this steadfastness. There, there's stuff for you to do. You have a part to play, a role to play, and as you play that part, you play that role, God Himself does the riveting. And so what are we asked to do? Well, we're asked to lean in, to lean toward God, to long for that steadfastness that He will help to accomplish in our lives, and in so doing... Peace will come. He's looking for us to try, to lean into Him. So what, is it, what does it look like to lean into God? Well, there's a few things that I suggest in your outline today about how we can lean into God so that He does the riveting that allows this peace to be the product. First of all, we lean into God in prayer. And when I say lean into God in prayer, I don't mean just the laundry list of requests that we go through. That's fine. That's good. God wants to hear your requests. Don't get me wrong. But there is another level of prayer. There's a leaning in sort of prayer that goes beyond just asking God for more and goes to asking God for more of God. And leaning in prayer sounds something like this. God, help me to lean into you. Help me to see you at work. Interrupt me when I am moving my mind in the wrong direction. Permeate my thinking so that I do not start leaning on other things for peace that only you can give. God, don't let me get you off of my mind. That's a leaning in prayer. And it's the kind of prayer that God is listening for. And when He hears that, that's part of the steadfast riveting that He does. We lean into God through appreciation. What I mean by that is simply stopping taking things for granted. We have taken so much for granted, and I'm talking to myself. The blessings that I've received, the people that are in my life, the things that God has done over and over again. I guess what I'm saying is this. Don't leave wonder behind. Let wonder crowd into your mind because there's so much to wonder about, to be grateful for. The wonderful people, the things, the creation. Last night I was just looking at the stars. You can look at the stars and still go to bed early these days. Have you noticed? So before I went to bed early, I looked at the stars. And the wonder of what we're able to see. Simply put, it's just paying attention, paying attention to our blessings and coming to life with an orientation of being grateful. And when that happens, we, we appreciate. And appreciation is leaning into God. We lean into God through praise. Praise amplifies the feelings of gratitude and wonder in your heart with words that come out on the outside. 
Praise is a great megaphone for what's going on inside, amplifying your feelings. God, this is what I feel for you, so let me praise you. That grateful heart on the outside, it's an exclamation of appreciation. But it's more than just a megaphone. Praise is also the exclamation point. It completes the circle, so to speak. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in his book, Reflections on the Psalms. He says this, The world rings with praise. The walker, he means the hiker, the walker will praise the countryside. Players praise their favorite game. Men spontaneously praise whatever they value, and so they spontaneously urge us to join in with their praise. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you find this magnificent? We delight in praise because praise is not merely the expression of enjoyment. It completes the enjoyment. It is the megaphone and it is the completion and it is leaning in to God. Lean in and He does the riveting. We lean into God through trust, trusting in Him, trusting in His love and knowing that since He loves me, he wants the best for me. I heard a story about a father and son who were planning a fishing trip the next day. They were going to spend the next day fishing together. They had it all planned. They got the gear all together. The weather was going to be good. They were excited. They made sandwiches the night before so that they would have their lunch and not have to wait to do that. And so they could just take right off in the morning. And everything was just, you know, planned to the, to the, to the tea. And when the father was helping that little boy go into bed that night, Tucking him in, that little boy grabbed his father's neck and he said this, Dad, thanks for tomorrow. That's trust. Thanks for tomorrow. It's going to be great. I know it's going to be great because you love me. Thanks for tomorrow. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. If you don't trust, your troubles will cause you to tremble. If you unplug your life from God, your life is going to unravel. You need to trust Him, even though things don't always go as planned. Jesus anticipated that. In John 16, He said, In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Shalom, shalom is available. I read a story about a king who was building a new uh, and palatial castle, new, new uh, beautiful building that he was going to live in and be the center of his government and so forth. And, and uh, this palatial castle was going to be a testament to peace. He wanted it dedicated to peace. And so he commissioned a contest of the artists of the land, and he said, I want you to paint a picture, you know, a, a big mural-sized picture that I can put in the entranceway to this palatial palace, uh, uh, paint a picture that depicts peace. And of course, the, the artists would be famous if their painting was there. They'd probably be, have, have their, their, uh, their living secured. So, of course, a lot of entries came in one after the other, all kinds of different approaches to peace. But the one that the king chose to put up in this palatial entrance, uh, entranceway uh, was uh, somewhat of a surprise. The winning entry actually pictured a tall, wind-blown mountain cliff with small trees holding on, kind of struggling to survive against the wind. 
On the horizon, there were ominous clouds, and the colors of the picture were bleak and foreboding. And, you know, it was kind of a depressing picture, but halfway up that hill, there was a bird in a cleft of a rock sitting on her nest, warming her eggs. And the king reasoned, that's peace. It's not the absence of problems. It's not the absence of difficulty, but it's a state of mind within those problems. And Jesus would agree. And Isaiah would agree. Peace isn't ultimately about having no fear-inducing circumstances. Peace is ultimately about the presence of a peace-inducing Savior. Peace. And it comes. Peace will come to us when we absolutely believe that God is so far beyond us and so outside of our ability to manipulate that there's no sense in me trying to call the shots. I got to rely on Him. And when I rely on Him, I combine that with trust and I combine that with the assurance that He loves me, that He has my best in mind so I can trust and be patient and I can go to bed every night and say, God, thank you for tomorrow. Peace. So Isaiah says, this is the result of steadfastness. And steadfastness is that result of, of being anchored to a trust in a God that is worthy. And the strong city in humility trusts the Savior. Contrasted to the other city, verse 5, he humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground, casts it down to the dust. Because the, the weak city, the destroyed city, is characterized by the attitude of pride, self-reliance, filled with themselves, puffed up. That brings destruction because you can't produce peace. You can only receive it. And so then the question comes, well, what does peace do? And to that question, for that answer, we have to go to the New Testament. And we go to Philippians chapter 4. For the sake of time, we'll put it on the screen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul is describing that steadfast trust that I'm talking to you about. God sees our weaknesses. He sees our struggles. He knows our anxiety. And he gives us an antidote to worry. It's one of those leaning in exercises. It is prayer. Lean into God through prayer. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. In other words, don't think that any situation is ever too far gone. Don't think that any need you have is too small to bother God with, and don't think it's too large that He can't solve it. Lean into God, and He will deliver shalom, shalom. And when He delivers shalom, shalom, peace takes action. Peace has a job description. Do you see it? It will guard your hearts and your minds. Peace will be stationed at the door of your hearts and your minds like a sentry to ward off the attack of Satan. God puts in front of the, your intellect a guard called peace. He puts in front of your emotions a guard called peace. It is a supernatural sentry that will stand watch for us. Jesus wants to give us that guard, but it comes as we are steadfast. Trust and pray. The point is, 
Ask for the sentry. Ask for that guard and God will deliver it. But Paul continues because there's a little more on our side of the coin, a little more that we can do. And that is this. Make sure that when you're asking for peace, you are welcoming into your mind peace-inducing thoughts. Verse 8 is the very next verse in Philippians 4. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The imagery is this. The sentry that's posted at the, guard, at, at the door of your mind and of your heart, that guard is working to welcome in those kinds of thoughts and keep other things out. The sentry wants to keep out the false, the dirty, the ugly, the violent, the demeaning, the shameful, and the prideful. He wants to keep those things out and welcome the others in. If you override the work of the sentry and you purposefully enter, purposely allow into your mind those other things, and you can do it by what you watch on TV, by what you read, by what's on your computer screen, by the conversations that you allow yourself to be engaged in. If you welcome in that other category, that lower category, you are disarming the guard of peace. You are weakening the sentry at the door of your heart and your mind. In a sense, Paul is saying this, don't wallow in filth and then complain that you're dirty. Don't allow disturbing thoughts in your mind and then complain that you're disturbed. Let the sentry do his job. Peace, peace will work for you. He'll deliver it. And he will help you rivet your mind to himself when you lean in. Story comes from the 17th century when Oliver Cromwell sent an envoy to France to negotiate a high-level treaty, some sort of negotiation that was happening. The envoy was troubled uh, because it was a big responsibility. He arrived in France with his servant he, he was traveling with, and, and the meeting was going to be the next day. That's when the thing was going to be presented, and, and it was a nervous time for this envoy. And as the, was the custom of the day in those days, the, the servant slept in the room with the master to attend his every need. And, and the servant noticed that this envoy, this high official, couldn't sleep. He, just, he was worried. He was nervous, anxious. And the servant finally said, Master, can I ask you a question? Yes. Did God rule the world before we were born? Yes. Will God rule the world after we are dead? Yes. So, Master, let's let him rule tonight as well. Peace. Here's the words of Jesus, John 14, 27. Peace I leave you. A peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. I do not, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And to that we say, Amen. We want that shalom, shalom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that you, you love us so much, that You deliver to us peace if only we will turn to You. And so I pray for the anxious. I pray for the worried. I pray for the disturbed. And I pray for all of us that we would lean in and that You do the riveting 
Enable us to be steadfast, and the result will be our souls will be stilled because of your love. And we look forward to that. We expect it. God, thank you for tomorrow. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Let's continue in our praise. to remember that line the waves and winds still know the voice of the one who ruled while he was while he was below lord everything is under your control and under your care and we can trust you in it so as we leave this place today we pray that in this week ahead we will see your hand of blessing we will sense your nearness strengthening and encouraging and showing us the way help us lord to be good witnesses Help us to demonstrate the fact that because of Jesus, we are changed for the better. Enable us to represent you well, we pray. And dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.